0: Asking the basic question, what is the church? And we attempted to provide some answers, and tonight I'd like to take uh, some of your time to address this question with regard to the church. What does it do? What is the purpose of the church? And I think I can answer in two words. This is what the church does. It continues. That's what it does. The church continues what Christ, the head of the church, began. So what Jesus began in his physical body continues in the church, which, as we saw last week, is his spiritual body. And we have many writers of what Jesus did and taught in the Bible. I think of one in particular, Luke, an eyewitness reporter, of what the Lord Jesus said and did. In fact, Luke was so caught up with this wealth of observable information that he reported to us about the teaching and works of the Lord Jesus in two books, one which bears his name, Luke, and the second. What's the second book we credit to Luke? Uh, no, not Revelation, but good try. Acts, Luke and Acts. And when he began his second account, Acts, this is how he began it. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Luke said, the first account, you see, he's referring to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. That's the first account. Acts, you might say, is the sequel to his first account of what Jesus did. So he said, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus, notice, began to do and teach. Luke says in his first account, I gave you a record of what Jesus began to do and teach. And then if you read through Acts, you find out when the church was formed, it continued precisely to do the very things that the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, began to do and teach. Which leads us to this question. If we are to continue what Jesus, the head of the church, began we have to ask the question, what is it that he did? And so Luke tells us quite clearly of the coming and the going of Jesus Christ. Think about it. He came from the throne, from the presence of his Father, and he laid aside divine privilege And he enshrouded it in humanity. He became enfleshed so as to experience what we do. And when he came, he went about all over talking to people about the kingdom of God. This is the coming and the goings of Jesus Christ. And so, too, if we are to continue what he did, there must be the coming together and the going out of his church. And so the church is to come and go just like the head of the church did. And so when the church comes together, it comes together to do various things. Here's one. The church comes together to grow and Luke tells us that this is exactly what the head of the church did. It might be a little surprising to us that Jesus grew, but let me just share with you luke two fifty two and you 'll see what Luke said about it and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man it 's tough for our finite minds to grasp that the Lord Jesus, almighty God, grew. But don't you see? He was the God-man, fully God, and at the same time, I can't explain it, I just believe it, fully man. So, as a man, he grew. He grew physically, and he grew relationally, and he grew in uh, social ways, and he grew spiritually. In other words, his growth was balanced and If the church is to continue what he, the head of the church, did, then we too are to grow. That's why we come together to enhance the balanced growth of each of the members of the church. We love babies. Everybody does. They're beautiful, but we don't want them to stay that way. Babies are self centered. And babies leave messes all over the place. So too spiritual babies. We're glad when one is born anew, but we don't want them to just stay in their spiritual infancy. Immature Christians are self-centered, and they make messes all over the church. So one of the purposes in the church coming together is to accentuate the spiritual growth of all of its members. So the church comes together to grow, and the church comes together to pray. Again, we're to continue what the Lord did. And so Luke records for us in chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus himself would often, not once in a while, often slip away to the wilderness. (laughs) He knew he could find his father in the wilderness and pray. And so he set up for us, his followers, a marvelous model of dependence on the Father. He made conversation with his Father his first resort. Aren't you ashamed to say sometimes you, me, we make prayer our last resort? After we've tried everything else okay, a little bit of a nod God word. Oh no! This kind of prayerful dependence on the Father was exemplified by the son and if we are to continue what he did we make first resort to prayer in africa at one time new converts to the faith were so excited about their newfound personal relationship with the lord jesus christ that they would often slip away into the bush so that they could have private times of prayerful communion with their Savior. And so, because they went off into grassy areas, uh, it was noticeable if they neglected their time, their prayer time, alone with God. And other members, other brethren, would gently say to the one, maybe, who is perceived not to be spending too much time with God, brother, the grass grows on your path. That's how they would give a helpful incentive to continue slipping away into the bush to spend time alone with God. And so the church, our church exists to encourage each of its members to avoid letting the grass grow over our paths, which lead us to private prayer communion with God. Brother, sister, don't let the grass grow over your path to God. So the church comes together to grow and the church comes together to pray and the church comes together to worship. Luke tells us this in chapter 4 verse 8. Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There's a lot of conversation, is there not, about worship styles? We all have our Preferences. Sometimes we express them in a kindly way, sometimes in an aggressive way. But here we're not talking about style, we're talking about lifestyle. Living a life worthy of Almighty God who has affixed his name upon us as Christ ones. We're not so much talking about a worship service, we're entitled to our own preferences therein. No, we're talking about A lifestyle worthy of God, pleasing to God. And so the church comes together. The church exists in order to provide, oh sure, worship services, which we hope are meaningful to the membership, but especially to encourage worshipful lifestyles when we take leave of one another. So the church comes together to grow and to pray and to worship and to study. The church exists to provide ample and varied opportunities for all of its members to study the Bible, which is God's word. Notice what Luke says, chapter 24, verse 45. Then he, the Lord Jesus, opened their minds, if he didn't, they'd be closed, you see, so that they could understand the scriptures. And so the church exists to provide opportunities through helpful and gifted teachers of all kinds to open our minds that we might behold the wondrous things in God's Word. It is a healthy church that's a Bible-believing church, but that's not good enough. A Bible-believing church also has to be a Bible-studying church. And so thank God for churches that are. So the church comes together... To grow, to pray, to worship, to study, and to watch. The church encourages its members to watch for the soon return of the Lord Jesus. Luke 12, verse 40. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We don't know. Sometimes I wish I could know. Sometimes I wonder why God didn't just give us the date and the time. But then I realize I would probably slack off. This way, we're helped to be alert. This way, we're helped to live today, but in light of what could be tomorrow. This way, we're helped to prioritize We won't be here forever in an instant in the twinkling of an eye like a thief in the night. The Lord Jesus can return and rapture his church. And then all those vain things perhaps which we over invested in will not loom so large. So the church must always direct the perspective of its people that way forward and up. The best is yet to come. Today is challenging for so many of our people. It won't be forever. We're only asked to run the race with endurance until we cross the finish line. And that will happen when the Lord Jesus returns. Keep watching. Keep waiting for at an hour when we do not know. Our Savior can come and take us home. One of the purposes of the church is to make sure our folks don't get to be so overwhelmed by the reality of the day that we forget about the ultimate reality of the future. Eternity is the future. Doesn't it beat in your breast? We have to call attention to that. We're passing through, as we say in the military. We're just TDY on Earth. Temporary duty or permanent change of station is yet to come. So keep looking for the return of the Lord Jesus. So the church comes together to grow, to pray, to worship, to study, to watch, and to be accountable. This is a tough one in this day of rugged American individualism. Leave me alone. None of your business. Mind your own business. Keep your distance. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, no. You see, like a loving family, the church family holds its members accountable. Accountability means somebody cares about how you are living your life. We are our brother's keeper. That's the way it is. We're called not only to believe but to belong. Folks, I hope you take this to be good news. We belong to one another. How you live your life, how I live mine, impacts on all the rest of us. We are the body of Christ. If one member of the body is not doing very well, all the rest suffer I thank God for those who loved me enough to risk our friendship and who even wounded me to point out blind spots in my life which I otherwise would not see, could not see. I'm blind to it. So the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Please, please don't rebuke somebody who loves you enough to speak into your life and to say, I noticed this, I noticed that. You could do better. Let me help you to do better. Don't say to that person, mind your own business. You are, we are each other's business. The church comes together to hold all of its members lovingly accountable. I remember when I was a young kid. Uh, uh, I was raised in New York, kind of a street kid, and there were other street kids. And every once in a while, the street kids used to say, hey, let's sleep out tonight. It wasn't exactly camping out because this is, you know, it's concrete. It's not grass or anything like that. I remember one time we slept on the roof, a flat roof of a building. That was kind of like urban camping, so to speak. (laughs) Anyway, the kids used to say, ah, oh, you know, I'd really like to do it, but I've I got to check with my parents. And then all the kids would say, okay, let's check with our parents, see if it's okay. We'll come back together. And I used to think I never had to check with my parents. My father was an alcoholic and so uh, preoccupied with his own uh, addiction. Uh, sort of loved me, but um, it was hard to tell. And so I never had to check in with him or check out with him because he had checked out. And my mother was too involved in doing the best she could with all of us. And so the kids used to say sometimes jealously, Stuart, you got a lick. What a good deal. You can come and go as you please. You never have to check in. You can do what you want to do. And I used to say, oh, yeah, it's really good. But inside, I was torn up. It wasn't really good at all. It meant nobody cared enough to say no, to say yes, to set limits, to set bounds, to caution me, to point out blind spots. Don't you see? I'm so glad to be adopted into the family of God. I got a heavenly father who cares how I live. He gave me a whole book called the Bible to tell me what to do and what not to do. Now, when we do that to one another, don't you see it's an illustration of how we love one another, indifference to one another's foibles and sin and bad decision is not love, it's apathy, it's indifference. I don't want to get involved. We are involved. The Lord Jesus called us out and into relationship, not just with him, but with one another. That's the way it is. So the church comes together to be accountable. Luke seventeen three. be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. You see the accountability? That's what the Lord taught. So we're called not only to believe, but also to belong. We belong to one another. So the church comes together to grow, to pray, to worship, to study, to watch, to be accountable, and to serve. Luke 22:26. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. And so the Lord Jesus is just turning things upside down. The way the world is climb. (laughs) And the way the Lord Jesus has come down. Stoop, humble yourself. Serve others for the glory of God. We're all ministers in this place. And as Jesus, the head of the church, came to serve and so gloriously did, sacrificially, each of us, he came to serve and not to be served, so too must members of his church have this attitude. We must, when we come together, produce an attitude of servanthood, not personal selfish ambition. So the church comes together for all of these purposes. And then the church goes out, just as the Lord Jesus went out for this purpose. The church goes out to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Towards the end of his earthly ministry, after so much miracle working, healing, marvelous works, After so much glorious teaching towards the end of his earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, uh, uh, finished. And it says this about that in Luke 24, verses 46 to 48. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead. And the third day, on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then this statement, you are witnesses of these things. You, boy, that really got me. You, not somebody else. You are, not were, not will be. You are witnesses Every Christ follower is a witness. The question is what kind? Don't you want to be an expert witness who people call upon for information about the Savior? Some witnesses are disqualified on the witness stand because of their character. It's inconsistent with their testimony. Some witnesses are disqualified because they're not privy to the facts. Don't you want to grow and make sure you know the facts of your redemption and be able to communicate it clearly to others? Don't you want to live in such a way that your lifestyle doesn't nullify your testimony? You are witnesses of these things that this Jesus, this Christ, this Messiah suffered and died but then rose again on the third day. Don't you want to testify that repentance, turning to him for forgiveness of sins and adoption must be proclaimed? It started in Jerusalem, but it doesn't stop there. It continues around the world, to Iran, to Pakistan, to Nepal, and to Houston, Texas. You are witnesses of these things. So then, uh, my fellow followers of the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, we come together for all of the above-stated purposes, and then we go out for one lofty, glorious purpose, and that is to be witnesses of the finished, redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the work he began, we, the church, are to continue. So may the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, grant us favor and bless our comings in and our goings out. Lord Jesus, this is our This is our heart's desire as you came and went and oh boy, as you are coming again. So too, Lord Jesus, we want to gather together and then scatter so as to be your witnesses. It is the ins and then the outs of the local church. We come in from the cold to nurture one another, to help one another, to pray for one another, to be immersed in your word, to hold each other accountable. Oh, yeah, but then we want to go out and spread the wealth. For this, Lord Jesus, we need your help. And so would you endow us with super blessing? Would you embolden us in the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you give us an ever-increasing Love for this, your local church, each member in it. Would you help us to see ourselves not as rugged individualists, but as members of a body intent on the healthfulness and growth of the body for your glory and so that many others may be adopted into your family. For this, we need your help, Lord Jesus. We want to be not just a Bible-believing church, but a Bible-studying and a Bible-doing church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the marvelous work which you began, and thank you for the privilege as your spiritual body bestowed upon us to continue it. Bless us, O God, as we do so, so that we might be a blessing to you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.